VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What happened to music that meant something? The Who at the Kingdom or Kiss at the Coliseum. Where is the Misty Mountain Hop? Where is the is the smoke on the water? Where is the Iron Man of today? Hey, this is not a test. This is rock and roll. It's Labor Day. Time to sit back, take a load off, and listen to music. I'm Greg Cott from the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Jim DeRogatis from WBEZ and Columbia College. Today, Greg and I will play a collection of songs inspired by the concept of work. And we'll review the new albums from the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Lil Wayne. That's coming up on Sound Opinions. From WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX, you're listening to Sound Opinions. listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time for our Labor Day Work Song Spectacular. Greg, we were thinking about how to close out the summer. Kids everywhere, of course, are dreading going back to school. (laughs) But it's astounding to me how many great, I mean, truly wonderful rock and roll songs are inspired by work. And it's astounding because basically... The goal of every great rock and roller is to not work. Yeah, you know, is to <laughs> avoid true. having to grow up and get a real job. Very true. Very true indeed. So in honor of that, we're going to play some work songs that we love. An amazing subject area. Right alongside sex, God, death, there are work songs, and there are dozens and hundreds of them that I would classify as really classic songs. So in honor of that, Jim, to see who starts... Let's do a traditional Sound Opinions coin flip. We have a uh, specially minted coin for the occasion. On one side, we have James Brown, who for the longest time was the hardest working man in show business. And on the flip side, we have got Jack White. There is no answer for Jack White in terms of hardest working man in show business right now. He runs his own record company. He literally sells his records out of the trunk of his car at various music conferences. He's in about 17 million bands. He is collaborating with the insane clown posse. So I'm going to take Jack. Coins in the air. And it's Jack White. 
you know, when I was researching this particular song, it was interesting because it was by a group from the early 60s, The Animals. And on the inner sleeve of the particular album, they gave one of those little tiger beat outlines, you know, your favorite color is, and, you know, if you weren't a musician, <laughs> you'd be. And they listed the former occupations of the animals. And, and these were true working class guys out of Newcastle, you know, the north of England, where if you weren't somebody famous, you would end up working in a factory probably. So you were looking at Eric Burden, and he lists his former occupations as postman and draftsman and laborer. And there was another one that was an instrument maker, another one who was an income tax officer, another who was a machinist. These guys grew up in a blue-collar town and were consigned to blue-collar lives. So this song really hits home for me. It, it hits home personally for this band as well, and I think that's why they invested so much in it. Even though it was not originally written by them, it was originally written by Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil, two of the great songwriters out of the Brill Building in New York. Now, they talked about this song on our show a few months ago, but the Animals changed some of the lyrics to personalize them and make them more applicable to their upbringing. When they were talking about the dirty old heart of the city, they were talking about Newcastle, and they were talking about their old man sitting there, a broken-down relic of what he used to be because he had been a blue-collar laborer his entire life. And the whole notion of, you know, we got to get out of this town. we got to get out of this place. Yeah. You know, get on to a better life. Be a rock and roll band because we don't want to work for a living, as you said at the top. <laughs> it's one of the main reasons to be a rock and roll band. So here it is, the animals. we got to get out of this place on Sound Opinions. In this dirty old part of the city Where the sun refused to shine People tell me there ain't no use in trying Now my girl, you're so young and pretty And one thing I know is true You'll be dead before your time
That's the animals kicking off our songs about labor with We Gotta Get Out of This Place from 1965. Jim, what do you got? Well, Mr. Cott, you know, it seems to me that, that many of our holidays are robbed of their original meaning. I mean, Labor Day initially was a day to celebrate union people. You know, we forget about that. It's just like end of summer is a holiday, right? But it means something still in America, I think, to, to be a blue-collar union member. And I think the song that celebrates that best was written by a, a Brit, you know, looking in at our society in 1970. The first John Lennon solo album, John Lennon Plastic Ono Band. I'm talking, of course, about working class hero. In the interview he gave to Rolling Stone magazine at the time, that famous chat, he said, you know, this is this is a song for the revolution. <laughs> you know, John still believed in it at that point. This is celebrating the working man who is being beaten down if he can't assimilate and become part of the machine, the middle class, the capitalistic dream. He's beaten down into submission. An extraordinary statement. The music really drives home the lyrics, you know, that stomping beat, mm -hmm. working hard and being beaten into submission at the same time. They've tortured and scared you for 20-odd years, then they expect you to pick a career. Lennon was a bitter man. Uh, even though he had succeeded, he never forgot that, that Liverpool working-class mentality. He didn't want that. A working-class hero is something to be. That's what his take on it was. Here it is on Sound Opinions. As soon as you're born, they make you feel small By giving you no time instead of it all Till the pain is so big you feel nothing at all A working class hero is something to be Working class hero is something to be They hurt you at home And they hit you at school They hate you if you're clever And they despise a fool Till you're so buffed crazy You can't follow their rules Working class hero is something to be A working class hero is something to be When they've tortured and scared you for twenty odd years Then they expect you to pick a career When you can't really function, you're so full of fear A working class hero is something to be A working class hero is something to be Keep you doped with religion and sex and TV You think you're so clever and classless and free But you still make the peasants as far as I can see A 
working class hero is something to be. A working class hero is something to be. Working class hero from John Lennon, one of Jim DeRogatis's picks as a great song about work. I couldn't agree more, Jim. First couple of songs we played here, kind of dark, you know? It's, a little bit. It's not a happy thing if you're a working man sometimes. Well, work is not a happy thing, right? Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to play a song next that actually uh, celebrates the working class life, at least to a degree. It's a song called Cleaning Windows by Van Morrison, in which he was looking back on his young life as a teenager growing up in Belfast in Ireland, early 60s. You know, he's a day laborer, cleaning windows, you know, lunch break, you know, lemonade and buns, smoking cigarettes, and daydreaming about his next life, about the life that he wanted to live, and that was a life of art, a life surrounded by music and books. He was name-dropping people like Muddy Waters and Jimmy Rogers and Lead Belly and Jack Kerouac in this song. He was a guy who had to pay the bills, work in his job, and he was going to do darn well at it. He wasn't going to shirk on, on cleaning windows. He was going to do that to the best of his abilities. But what he really wanted to do was play saxophone in the band that he was playing with at night and, and later on forge a career out of it. So you can hear... Van at an early stage in his life thinking about the future even as he was a proud working man on cleaning windows. Van Morrison on Sound Opinions. Oh, the smell of the bakery from across the street Got in my nose Yeah, yeah we carried our letters down the street With the raw iron gate rolls And listen to Jimmy Rogers in my lunch break. Bought five woodbine at the shop on the corner and went straight back to work. Oh, Sam was up on top and I was on the bottom with the V. At the shop and broke for tea. That's it. I collected from the lady and I cleaned the fan light inside out. I was blowing saxophone on the weekend in a down joint. What's Number 36. I went 
Cleaning Windows by Van Morrison on Sound Opinions, Mr. Cott's second great rock and roll work song choice. Greg, as we've said, dozens and dozens of great choices in this genre. I had a list. I was having a hard time narrowing it down, and then I realized I can't do this show and not do The Clash. These guys really knew about the drudgery of working, the jobs that were being offered them in the mid-'70s to keep them off the dole, Mm -hmm. uh, England's version of unemployment. None of them were very appealing. Mick Jones had actually worked for the British government opening mail to make sure there weren't letter bombs uh, that were going to blow up some bureaucratic official. That's a line in this song. I hate the civil service rules. I won't open letter bombs for you. Joe Strummer hated the Army. He hated the RAF. Hated basically every job that was being offered to him as a young man in Thatcherite, England. Sort of a similar situation. You know, today, the, all these years later, the economy is so dire, people are getting out of college, and there are no career opportunities. The jobs that they've worked so hard to train for and spend all that money in college studying about, they're not there, and they're mm-hmm. going to go make coffee somewhere, and that just really stinks. Anyway, this is a song that cheers you up, just because of the sheer <laughs> adrenaline of it. Yeah, it's a bad situation. I got no job. I got no prospects. I got no career opportunities, but The Clash somehow make it celebratory. From that wonderful first self-titled Clash album, Career Opportunities on Sound Opinions. with career opportunities. Coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, we'll continue our Labor Day special and review the 10th album from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. We'd also like to hear from you. Want to talk about a work song or share any of your sound opinions? Call 888-859-1800. You can also email interact at soundopinions.org or check us out on Facebook or Twitter. 
tumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping With folks like me on the job from nine to five Welcome back to Sound Opinions. We're celebrating Labor Day with songs inspired by the idea of work. And that, of course, is R.E.M. with Finest Work Song. Greg, you've got another one. What are you going to play? Jim, there is a poetry in, in writing about anything well. And I think one of the great poets in writing about the working man was Bob Marley, specifically in a song called Night Shift that he released in 1975. Uh, it was a very personal song from Marley. Uh, a lot of people may not realize that he spent quite a bit of time in the United States uh, as a teenager. He came here to find work from Jamaica to Detroit specifically and ended up working on an assembly line at the Chrysler plant, the late shift, the midnight shift, mm. you know. And it was, a, it was an interesting time in his life. Um, it was disorienting on a number of levels. You know, first of all, this, this Jamaican kid being caught up in a Detroit winter and, and secondly, the whole notion of, of being up in the middle of the night when the rest of the world is asleep and then coming out in, into the sunlight and realizing your day is ending. So there was a sense of disorientation that I think he captured perfectly in this song. He was talking about the notion of, of working hard for a living. He was talking about the whole idea that this is the only way I can eat. I have to do this. And at the same time, this notion of this is about as tough as it gets, you know, having to yeah. work hard labor in the middle of the night when the, when the rest of the world is blissfully unaware of what, what you're doing. Uh, here it is, Night Shift from Bob Marley on Sound Opinions. The sun shall not smite I by day, nor the moon by night, and everything that I do shall be up full and bright and Oh, 
Night Shift, Bob Marley from 1975, a great song about work. Jim, what do you got next? You know, great, good point about Marley being a poet of, uh, of the often mundane or the, the, the minor details in life. But I think the guy who, who wins the all-time award for that in rock history is Lou Reed. You know, certainly has written some songs about incredibly dramatic things. His very first album, you know, writing about sadomasochistic sex and yeah. heroin, okay? Yeah. But Lou Reed, it seems like we always choose a Lou Reed song when we do one of these kind of shows. Yeah. Because Lou has written about everything mm. during his long career. He, he's, he's made poetry of just the most mundane things in life. He's written two great songs about work. One was on the uh, songs for Drella, talking about how Andy Warhol's attitude toward making art was that it's work, just work, 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 right? Mm -hmm. But also, uh, my favorite is on Legendary Hearts in 1983, Don't Talk to Me About Work. Mm -hmm. Now, this was the second of those albums that Reed made with the incredible guitarist Robert Quine, who died in 2004. Really the best musical pairing he's had since John Cale. The music was incendiary and Reed was inspired. He was newly sober. He realized at that point that, that he'd been lucky to never have to work and he never wanted to. He connected with the people that had to. Don't talk to me about work. You know, he says over and over again, I'm up to my eyeballs in dirt with work, <laughs> with work. Who hasn't felt that way? Here's Lou Reed on Sound Opinions.
Don't Talk to Me About Work by Lou Reed on Sound Opinions, nicely summing up the theme of today's show. Actually, we're talking a lot about work, but uh, the theme <laughs> of the show is work in honor of Labor Day and the working men and women who are listening to this show right now. We include ourselves in, in your company. Yeah, we're at work. We're working. <laughs> Indeed. We got a nice job, but we're working. Exactly. And uh, the Jam were one of those bands that, as you said, Jim, were chroniclers of the everyday in much the same manner that Lou Reed was. People talk about Paul Weller as being one of the great songwriters of his generation, inheriting the torch of Ray Davies and Pete Townsend and passing it on down the line to people like Morrissey. And Weller was certainly the voice in the jam, the main songwriter, but his bassist and collaborator, uh, Bruce Foxton, I think uh, matched him on this particular song. And I think it it is a great song about the common man and the laborer. Earlier I played an animal song, which is talking about the the blue-collar life. The jam's Smithers Jones talks about the middle-class life, that sort of post-war... Eisenhower America vision that was also true in England about, uh, you know, the nice little home and the nine-to-five job and the family with two kids. That was the dream of somebody who was raised in the middle class. It's it's Mad Men, that show Mad Men. Exactly. And what is it exactly that's being exacted here? What price is being paid? To my mind, what makes this song so powerful is not so much it's, oh, stick to that man, that lousy boss, he's going to keep the thumb on you. It's more about the poignance of this guy. And the, and the hopefulness and the sort of naive optimism that he has that, you know, I'm going to get that promotion and I want to work to get ahead. He's always a few minutes early for work and he's always on time when, he, when he's waiting at the tube stop to get picked up to go to work. And then yet the disappointment at the end that comes when he doesn't get what he wants and what does he have left. I think the personal details in this song are what make it work and I think make it a great song about the working life. Smithers Jones from The Jam on Sound Opinions. Here we go again. Money at last, he's heading for the water line. To pass the alley and pass the truly dead of time. Hope it isn't late, got to be there by nine. This right suit, he shut and tight. Steps up with the corner, shut to buy the times.
Miserous Jones from the Jam. That is actually the B-side version of the song, the stripped-down version. It appeared in a more orchestrated version on the Setting Suns record, but that's the original version of that song. Digging deep, Mr. Pat. I always heard that jam song as an attempt to rewrite the Kinks' David Watts. There you go. Similar vein of tunes. You were talking about how Bruce Foxen of the Jam was too polite to want to stick it to the boss. I am going to end our Labor Day special with a, a great song about sticking it to the boss. The uh, last real rock and roll record that the Flaming Lips made was Cloud's Taste Metallic before they became, you know, a, a circus act and a, a studio orchestra band. Bad Days is a song about you hate your boss at your job. <laughs> you want to sometimes pick up a gun and blow his head off. <laughs> you know, now, now I'm not saying this is a good thing. I'm not encouraging <laughs> violence out there. But who among us has not felt that way, right? Wayne Coyne of the Flaming Lips, the Oklahoma philosopher that he is, he has a solution. If you sleep late when you can, all your bad days will end. And isn't that true? You know, this is what Labor Day weekend is all about. (laughs) One final time of sleeping in, of doing nothing but laying around in the backyard listening to fine tunes all weekend. And then Tuesday we go to work, okay? Here are the Flaming Lips with bad days from Cloud's Taste Metallic on Sound Opinions. Sort of stuck where you are, but in your dreams you can buy expensive cars or live on Mars and have it your way. And you hate your boss at your job, but in your dreams. You can blow his head off In your dreams Show no mercy
Bad Days by the Flaming Lips on Sound Opinions, wrapping up our Labor Day playlist with songs about work. We're going to take a break on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, but when we return, we're going to have reviews of two new records, one by alt-rock giants the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and then by rapper Lil Wayne. Breaking rocks out here on the chain gang Breaking rocks and serving my time Breaking rocks out here on the chain gang Cause the done convicted me a crime I hold it steady right there while I hit it Well I reckon that ought to get it been working And working But I still got so terribly far to go I committed crime, Lord, I need Crime of being hungry and poor I left the grocery store, man, breathing When they caught me robbing a store Hold it steady right there while I hit it Well, I reckon that ought to get it been working Sound Opinions. That is a song called The Adventures of Rain Dance Maggie by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who are now a heritage act, Greg. Hard to believe, but the 10th studio album out now, I'm With You. Wow, has it been a long time since this band came together, Anthony Kiedis and Michael Balzari, who would later rechristen himself Flea. They met at Fairfax High School in California in the late 70s, been playing together ever since, and Flea promises us they will never stop. He is my brother. I will never give up this band. A lot of people have come and gone since then, and there have been a lot of changes since they surfaced early on as the ultimate frat party band for the 80s and 90s, mixing funk and hardcore punk and wearing nothing but a tube sock. The big breakthrough came at the beginning of the alternative era in 1991 with Blood, Sugar, Sex, Magic. That's when they began, much like, I think, Metallica. Like Metallica suddenly softened the sound and gave us the ballad one. The Red Hot Chili Peppers gave us Under the Bridge, gave them a new life. Been a lot of revolving door people in and out, though. That guitarist slot in particular, the original guitarist, Hillel Slovak, died. They had Arik Marshall in the band for a long time. John Frusciante was in, and then he was out, and then he was in again. For a while, they had Dave Navarro. Now Frusciante is gone. He left after the last album five years ago. It's been a long time since a new Red Hot Chili Peppers album. And there is a new guitarist, Josh Klinghoffer and a new start to the band. That's what Flea and Anthony keep saying. This is a brand new band, a new start, although they're back with the member they consider the fifth Chili Pepper, their longtime producer Rick Rubin. 
What have they given us on I'm With You? We'll give our opinions in a minute. First, let's hear a song. This is called Brendan's Death Song on Sound Opinions. Well, if I die before I get it done, will you decide? Take my words and turn them into signs that will survive. Because a long time ago I knew not to deprive It's safe out there And now you're everywhere Just like the sky But you are love You are the love supreme You are the right And when you hear this You know it's yours That is Brendan's death song from the Red Hot Chili Peppers on their 10th album, I'm With You, six in a row with super producer, producer to the stars, Rick Rubin. <laughs> Another of the hardest working men in show business. You know, you mentioned their shift into ballads around blood sugar sex magic back in 1991, the start of the alternative rock era, really. A big part of that was, was the collaboration with Rubin. You know, he's a big song guy. He got them in this more sensitive mode that got him on radio. And ever since, they've been trending more and more towards the ballads to the point where I think on I'm With You, they are effectively a ballad band, as that last song illustrated. Brendan's death th- song is one of those big stadium uh, lighter-waving songs that you could see, <laughs> you know, the band performing in, in the darkness. And that's what they become, for better or worse. The one thing that I thought always distinguished this band, what I liked most about them, was one of those revolving door guitarists that you were mentioning, John Frusciante. I think the albums that Frusciante played on were really elevated by his invention as a melodist, as a soloist, as an ability to come up with those uh, counter harmonies. He was a brilliant, brilliant guitar player, one of the most underrated guitar players of the last 20 years. His departure has not really been filled adequately by the new guy, Josh Klinghoffer. I think to a large extent, he's a little bit intimidated. He's playing with this superstar band, and he's not really sure what he's supposed to do in this band. Well, and he's playing a lot of acoustic guitar. Mm -hmm. So his role is somewhat diminished. Flea is an all-star bass player. I think he's a terrific bass player, and he's actually gotten better as the years have gone on. But ballad band, that means you have to buy Anthony Kiedis as a balladeer. <laughs> Drinking sunshine, she likes the taste of it. She had a gold mine, but then she wasted it away. Yeah. You should have seen her yesterday. Yeah. Oh yeah, sing along. 
they are predominantly a ballad band on this record, and I don't buy that for a minute. I say trash it on the buy it, burn it, trash it scale. I agree with you, Greg. This is a trash it record. Anthony Kiedis is perhaps one of the biggest boneheads in the history of <laughs> rock and roll. He's just a lousy lyricist and a mushmouth vocalist. And when he's singing stuff like, I want to lean on you, get Jan and Dean on you, I don't even think he knows what the heck he's talking about. This is not a sensitive band. They should have ratcheted it up and funk rocked again. There's just no hope for this record. Definitely a trash it record. Cut the music up A little louder Yeah You had a lot of crooks Try to steal your heart Never really had luck Couldn't ever figure out How to love How to love mm-hmm. You had a lot of moments That didn't last forever Now you in a corner Try and put it together How to love That is How to Love, the latest single from Lil Wayne's new album, The Carter Four. Wow. Lil Wayne is a balladeer. We talked about Anthony <laughs> Kiedis as a balladeer. Do you buy Lil Wayne as a balladeer? <sighs> but I'm getting ahead of myself. Lil Wayne, one of the biggest hip-hop stars of the last decade, without a doubt. He has called himself the greatest rapper alive. And from about 2004 through about early 2009, I think he had a case. I mean, at least in terms of record sales, no one could touch this guy. He started out in the 90s as kind of a teen prodigy in this New Orleans band, the Hot Boys, and developed a solo career, which really started to flourish in the middle part of the last decade. He did it in a very savvy way. While he was putting out these big blockbuster mainstream albums, he was also flooding the market with these mixtapes, which were huge hit on the Internet, giving away his music for free, essentially, and also playing cameo roles on countless records. I mean, he was stealing the show from countless peers by merely appearing on their records and rapping a few verses on some of their songs. Made a huge reputation for himself in the industry with his multifaceted approach to rapping. The fact that he was running a record label, basically developing stars like Nicki Minaj, the fact that he was so prolific. Then it all went away. That weapons charge landed him in Rikers Island prison for most of 2010. He continued to release product while he was in jail. But let's face it, you're never going to be the same after you go to prison. And everybody was waiting for the Carter Four to see what he was going to say about his stay in prison, how he was going to sound, what the new Lil Wayne was going to sound like. We're going to review the record in a second, but let's play a track from it first. It's called Six Foot, Seven Foot from Lil Wayne's The Carter Four on Sound Opinions. Yeah. I'm going back in. 
Okay, I lost my mind. It's somewhere out there stranded. I think you stand under me. If you don't understand me, had my heart broken by this woman named Tammy. But hope won't be hope, so I couldn't blame Tammy. Just talk to moms, told her she the sweetest. I beat the beat up, call it self-defense. Swear, man, I be seeing through these shits like sequence. They think they think they're men. Pow, pow, the end. Talking to myself because I am my own consultant. Married to the money, the world, that's adultery. You full of shit, you close your mouth and let your ass talk. Young money eating, all you haters do is ass out. Stop playing, check out this game on deadbolt. Mine so sharp, I fuck around and cut my head off. Real got all day and tomorrow. But these motherfuckers talking crazy like they jaw broke. Glass half empty, half full, I'll feel ya. Try me and run into a wall, I'll feel the... Six foot, seven foot by Lil Wayne from his eagerly anticipated new album, The Carter Four. Often delayed. Greg, and not just because Wheezy was in jail in Rikers Island for that possession of a weapon charge. He's a perfectionist, and he likes to tinker until the last minute, and he hates when tracks leak. While he was away, he gave us, and we cannot forgive or forget this, the 2010 album Rebirth, which was him attempting to make a rock record and was truly an abysmal disaster of a record. I think it made our turkey shoot that year. He's interesting when he chooses unexpected rock samples. There's some stuff on this record where he's kind of playing with like air or bread type samples. He's sampling uh, Alan Parsons' project at other times. He is an interesting producer. However, I can't get over the fact that this man, at the top of his game, had the best-selling album of the year when he went away to prison. One of the biggest artists in hip-hop in the new century is sent to prison, and he doesn't talk about it. There's a lot of talk about time getting away from him and considerations of his mortality, but man, it must have been a heartbreaking, turbulent emotional experience to be behind bars and he's what's he talking about he's talking about how tough he is and how cool he is and having a lot of money and smoking blunts i do believe he is a better rapper than this if he had given us some insight into his soul and if he had lessened the guest star turns on here there are two songs where he doesn't even appear at all he didn't even show up to the studio he had to have more in him than this pathetic excuse for a record which i've got to say is a trash it It's interesting to me that on Lil Wayne's comeback record, if you will, after his prison stay, that the best rapping on this record is not by Lil Wayne himself. I mean, there is some really fine rapping on this record, but it's by Andre 3000 of Outkast on that song Interlude. It's by Drake. You mentioned that he doesn't address his prison term. Well, Drake does on the song It's Good. And yeah. actually does it very emotionally, very passionately. He brings more passion in his verse about Lil Wayne's prison term in that one song than Lil Wayne musters on the rest of the record. What's fascinating to me about Lil Wayne for the longest time was his surrealism, his, the way he had these sort of psychedelic alternative worlds that he would be able to create in the space of a few lines, the leaps of imagination, the way the voice would change from line to line. 
I'm not getting any of that here. He sounds strangely disengaged on this record. The rapping is slower, more methodical. There's less of those leaps of imagination. As you say, the subject matter is awfully tired. We've been here before with Lil Wayne, and he's not giving us a new, fresh take on We've it. We've been here before with too many people yeah. in hip-hop. On this record, these rappers do to him what he once used to do to everyone else, mm. stole the show from out underneath him. So I've got to say, from a Lil Wayne standpoint, this is a subpar album. I would say... Burn it because of the cameos. They're very strong. The intro and outro songs are great. Drake's verse is great. Burn those. Trash the rest. So that's a trash it from me and a burn it from Greg Cott for Lil Wayne's The Carter Four. What do we have on the show next week, Greg? Next week we have an interview and a live performance from Sam Beam's orchestral folk project Iron and Wine. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions is produced by Jason Saldana and Robin Lynn with help from Annie Minoff. Our intern for the summer has been Kobe Ashpiss. And our fearless leader, our executive producer, Tori Southside Malatia, he kept a candle in the window the entire time Wheezy was behind bars. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. Sometimes you're busy for a while, but when I get to it makes me smile. New messages. Hey, Jim and Greg, this is Vaughn calling from middle of Amish country, Pennsylvania. And I wanted to call and compliment you on something that you didn't do, which was to review or give more airtime to the Jeff Bridges country album that he just put out, because he has gotten more airtime than just about anyone could hope for. I know somebody whose life is tough. I help a little, but it isn't enough, because I go spend money on stupid stuff when I know he's struggling to stay I've heard him interviewed so much, and he's getting so much play for that album, and, you know, he's an actor. It kind of is like more airtime that other people are not getting who are just struggling musicians trying to do their thing, devoting their life to it. I think Jeff Bridges is going to be just fine. (laughs) Give the airtime to other people, so keep up the great work. This is Eric Radicke of Rockton, Illinois. I thought you guys might find this entertaining. I'm 50 years old and graduated from Downers Grove North High School in 1978. All of my friends had gone away to school. I decided to sit out for a year and went to College of DuPage. But here I am feeling kind of sorry for myself as school starts in the fall of 1978. And this guy that I don't really know said, Hey, I've got tickets to Neil Young in Chicago touring a, a new record. You want to go with me? Well, I didn't really know him that well and decided as much as I love to see shows, uh, I'm going to pass. Well, of course, it turned out to be Neil Young's Russ Never Sleeps tour. And I got the live album when it came out uh, down the road and realized what a horrible mistake I had made. And I've lived the last 30 uh, plus years making sure that that wouldn't happen again. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Love your show. Bye-bye. Listen a while away. I hope they didn't come to stay.
name is Heath, calling from San Francisco, and I had a comment about your Neil Young show today, which is that, well, I happened to just walk into a room to hear that someone walked out of a Neil Young show after the first two songs because it was too loud. Well, he was right, and I myself have not seen a show or concert in years because it always seems like there's a fetish for turning up the volume as loud as possible, and it really ruins the, the experience. Why do things have to be so loud? You know, why is that a, a value to, you know, create an environment that, that causes damage to the thing that allows you to enjoy music? No one ever really addresses this, and I wish you guys would. Thank you, and I think it's a great show. I really appreciate you guys. I loved your show on Neil Young, but I wanted to remind you of one of Neil's best performances, playing Willow Smith with my hair with Bruce Springsteen on Jimmy Fallon. It's actually an impression done by Jimmy Fallon, but it's so good you'd never know. Um, anyways, great show. Thanks. With my hair back and forth. <laughs> with my hair back and forth. Just with my To give us your opinions on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with more Sound Opinions, produced by WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.